And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. With me, I have Charlie with me. And tonight, we're actually doing something a little bit different. We decided to go on ahead and do an Ask Me Anything segment. And I figured this would be a good, fun time just to talk about different things, talk about whatever is on you guys' minds, and stuff like that. We can talk whatever you guys want, as long as it's actually within the movie aspect of our show and the theme of our show we're not doing any type of politics we're not doing any of that kind of stuff but we will talk about anything movie related anything within the entertainment industry itself so with further ado let's go on ahead and get on with the show so tamika asks, what advice would you give a new podcaster what software is best in your opinion uh so let's see here for me i'm just using Streamyards. i'm just using that as part of a way of actually going live. It was actually a back back door, if you will, because in order for you to go live, you have to have at least a thousand subscribers just to get into the live streams. With StreamYards, it allowed me to go ahead and basically have have that whole entire gateway to where I can go live, do the live streams without having a thousand subscribers, without having a thousand views and all that other stuff to go along with it. And it allowed me to come back to YouTube because for about a year I was I was actually away from YouTube for about a year, and at the, within a year I was still gaining subscribers like crazy, which is, is shocking because before I wasn't gaining anything. All of a sudden I, I take a break for a year and I'm doing audio podcasting, and then I come back to this. But I find that kind of ironic. What about you, Charlie? When it comes down to that, um, I don't have an answer for it. <laughs> I'm but, not. I don't. I mean, I don't. On my own, I don't use StreamYards. I don't use any of the software stuff. So that one's like, can't really a- answer that question. <laughs> right. Uh, what is your favorite genre of film and why favorite uh, and favorite director? So for me, I'm pretty much, I'm up for a challenge when it comes down to movies and genres and stuff like that. There are things that I look at and stuff that I don't look at. For instance, I never would have thought that I would actually check out the movie Chef or anything like that, or the movie burnt with uh, Bradley Cooper because of the fact that at that time I was not interested in movies that was based on, on sh- um, basically off of chefs and stuff like that. And then I'm, thought, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to challenge myself to do something different and something new that I haven't done before. So I decided to go out of my genre of ways of thinking, the ways of doing things that I never thought about doing. And that's one of the best things I can actually say that I like about going into other directions. But for me... I'm not picking at the genres that I watch. Like, I'll watch a rom-com. I'll watch romantic movies. I'll watch action movies, comedies, horror movies. I don't care. As long as it's a good story, way, a storytelling and stuff like that, I'll watch it. And also, too, biopics, things like that. I'm not picky when it comes down to certain things. As long as the trailer actually sells me on certain things that they're actually selling me on, then I'll check it out. But if, if it's actually a downer, I'm not going to check it out. But... I know you're a little bit different, though, than I am, though, Charlie. I know that you're not into the horror aspects and things like that. But what is the things that you look for whenever you uh, review a movie or genres in general? Um, To go on your point about chefs, I'm surprised because pretty sure you watched Under Siege with Steven Seagal as a chef. <laughs> um, well, that's a total different theme. That's actually mar- that's like a mixed martial arts action type film. But, but still, yeah. he was a chef. <laughs> I mean, you you can't deny that he was a chef, and yeah, nobody was. nobody beats him in the kitchen. I, <laughs> <laughs> I knew they were gonna throw that line in there. Um, but mine's more the mindless action movies, like no plot, this 
the shoot 'em up stuff, like the Expendables, the Stallone, Arnold movies, like I think mean, that's when I first start like movie wise. I always loved those because I don't, I'm not really to that. But as I progressed, like for my years, like um, like the my last couple of years, like 2011 is when. Oh, sorry. Ugh, this is bothering me. Um, 2011 when Moneyball came out. That was the one that movie that interests me the most because that that's basically a all talking, no action, and actually had a plot, and there was a lot of talking in it. I enjoyed it, and my parents were shocked because typically I don't watch those types of movies. But Moneyball was great because I loved Brad Pitt. It had comedic elements in it, but it was just an entertaining story. I think, and that's what kind of turned. I mean, I watched the periodic like the the Departed. I watched that the Mob movies because that that had like mob hits in it, and that was entertaining with the Sopranos and stuff. But I think I think it was like it was definitely Moneyball is what really started getting me into the whole Oscar stuff and that's what started me and then i start trying to watch as some oscar movies but lately these some of these oscar movies have just been pretty bad and it's like not interesting i'm like yeah no like the the quality have been like has dropped significantly like these last few years like i mean i think in the in the, in the decisions by the academy of picking some movies to win and they didn't like stallone getting snubbed to rocky like for not rocky creed that kind of was like, okay, they're not really, cr like, I, that, and then, uh, the Bradley Cooper Star is Born, like, I typically don't watch that movie, that type of movie at all, but I was intrigued on it. That movie deserves so much more than it got. I, and I agree. And to give it to Green Book, I mean, it's probably a good movie, but they call it the best picture when it clearly wasn't on their, when they do their rankings, it was, like, third best. Mm -hmm. so you can't really call something best, and then also with the one of the Farley brothers having a sexual assault allegation against them or something of that nature, and yet you still reward that movie with that because you did it to James Franco when he won the Golden Globe for the disaster artist playing the great Tommy Wiseau, and he, him winning the a Golden Globe for it, and then all of a sudden he didn't get any Oscar noms like that because somebody came out. Um, I'm not saying he did it. Not saying he didn't. We just, I just don't know. But it's just the the optics of it didn't look great. But it's just the quality. These last few years have not been, and then they're choosing their picks, haven't been great. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've done that, but I typically I try to. But um, yeah, um, yeah. You can go on, John. Let me fix my audio. You're muted, John. Oh, yeah. But to be honest with you, man, I'm glad I checked out A Star is Born because I, I've been wanting to check it out. I just haven't had a time to check it out or anything. That was not until I was spending time with my fiance and everything. And, you know, I, we winded up liking it. I mean, the ending, though, is kind of messed up because I was ex actually expecting something more. But we'll get into that when we get ready to review A Star is Born on the things I didn't like about it. But it was definitely like an Academy Award winning kind of feel to it you know and also too i definitely agree with you about moneyball moneyball was definitely oscar worthy mm -hmm. for something that was different and also too it was also something that was true so i definitely like moneyball moneyball was right up there with me at that year but another movie that ranks up there for me is also the movie 50 50 with seth rogan and jo joseph gordon lovitz and the only reason why is because it's very relatable because my mom had cancer and stuff like that so 
you know, I was iffy about going in to seeing a movie that touched close to home for me and stuff like that. And then I winded up liking it because Seth Rogen wasn't the main person inside it. He was more of the side character, which Mm -hmm. I like Seth Rogen as, as the side character versus him being the main character. I thought that the balance between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and his character was really good. But I liked 50-50 within that year. That movie was good. Um, But let's see here. Uh, To go on your star's point point, I knew that type of ending was going to happen because it happened in the other old other versions of that same movie. It's like, that's how I knew going in. Cause I, I was reading the plot of the old ones going mm-hmm. in to prepare myself for this one. So I knew, I didn't know how exactly it was going to happen, but I knew the, a certain, the certain character was going to, you know, that was going to be axed off pretty much act like that. He's going to do. Yeah. Because I think, mean, cause that's, that's the point of the story is to, that but um but whenever we get into that for that review we'll discuss that more but i knew going in something was going to happen because it was that it was this because it happened in the other movies and they're trying to keep it consistent it's just the how it happens that that's the difference but yeah i mean but i mean that movie deserves so much more and the the academy the academy screwed up big time with that kind of again and then again when they did with parasite again i haven't seen parasite it's probably a great movie but I think the optics of what them what they're trying to do, like I I, I mean, I was hoping either Quentin Tarantino's Once by Time in Hollywood, which is a the Hollywood movie, and that's the type of stuff that you want to win an Oscar because it's Hollywood. There's talking in it, unlike when he gave it to the <laughs> artist. Like, how can you have a musical? Not only that's black and white, but there's no talking in it. How the heck does that even work? And yet you 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 you, you that wins. Like, right. I mean, um, Parasite was probably was probably one of the statement wins, like statement, like, oh yeah, this is to prove a point. But I think I was either it was, should have been either 1917 or uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood should have won the Oscar in 2019. I definitely agree. 1917 was definitely Oscar worthy, but also too, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had a great soundtrack to go with it. Tarantino does a great job at picking the songs out for it. Not only that, but Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Margaret Robbie. You have an all-star cast, and yeah. it doesn't even it gets overshadowed with other movies. Yeah. That to me, this movie should have won over the other film yeah. that won best fit, best picture. Yeah. To be honest with you, nineteen seventeen yeah. was also good too. I definitely like yeah. the one shot kind of vibe to it and things like yeah. that with nineteen seventeen. So I do agree with you. Yeah, and then Brad um, Pitt went in supporting actor, much deserved. He was yes. phenomenal in that movie. We like for our director series that we should be will do eventually. Hollywood will be one of those ones I pick because that is such, such a great movie. And it's so good because Leo and Brad Pitt were great in it and they had great, great chemistry. Unlike the notebook, which didn't have <laughs> any chemistry at all. Brad Pitt and Leo had that chemistry and they, and if it, those two guys who were not casted in this movie, once by time in Hollywood would, would suck. Like right. straight up. Cause those two guys nailed it and they're, they're great. Speaking um, that, because I even got the book. The one spot, which actually has more footage in it, and there's another a hard copy coming out later this year, which I'll probably begin as well because I didn't realize it was that small. But there's a lot more details in here that wasn't even shown in the movie. And I think there'll be a back a backstory on Cliff. So, okay. anybody seen this movie? Like seen the movie? You should probably check out the book. I probably will read it at some point. But Hollywood, okay. Monster by Time in Hollywood, fantastic movie. 
All right. And so Tamara asked, what's your favorite movie of all time? Also, what made me decide to be a podcaster? So first thing is first. My favorite movie of all time is two movies that I always pick out. Or maybe every single time whenever I get this question, I always answer more than one thing because my move because my choice of movies for my favorites always changes it never is just like a one thing that i always recite or anything like that i always wind up picking more than just one film but i'll do some honorable mentions though too when i mention my one film but my one film that i always come back to was the movie the crow with brandon lee and that's how the simple factor is it's what got me into the grunge area it's what got me into nine inch nails it's what got me in stone temple pilots not only that but I like the originality behind it, where basically you have a um, an author of the graphic novel who was actually getting over the fact that his wife got ran over by a drunk driver. So he used the comic book as a way of a coping mechanism to help him out with that. And then the movie comes out with Brandon Lee, and then Brandon Lee accidentally dies on the set of The Crow and making it. But I remember 10 years old going out to the movie theaters in Boston and checking that movie out. And I just fell in love with it. And a matter of fact, I still have it on Blu-ray. I still own the DVD of it on the two-disc uh, special features that they have. That's how much I love this movie. And that's how much of a close uh, that it has to my heart. My other ones would have to be Jaws, because I remember uh, being that's what got me into doing oceanography with sharks and things like that and researching sharks. So Jaws is actually ranked up there, though, for me as well. Even though the special effects might be a little outdated or whatever, but to me, they still hold up because I guess I, it has still has a special place in my heart for Jaws. And also, too, going on that Jaws ride in Florida. <laughs> but then, of course, I also my other one I would have to go with is Back to the Future because of the originality with Steven Spielberg and things like that about time travel with Marty McFly and just having a good time with Marty and, and Doc Brown. But, Charlie, what are some of your favorite ones? Hold on just a sec. Um, it's okay. To try to answer the, uh, I think, I think Johnny, I think you had a second question. Also, what made yeah, yeah. to be a podcast? Okay, I just wanted to go ahead and include yeah. you in on that. But, yeah, I'll answer Tamika's second question at the bottom, which is for me. Okay. okay, so what made me get into podcasting is the fact that number one, I couldn't do YouTube for a while. I took a year off, like I said before. I had to have a thousand subscribers just to go live. So basically. I had this one person that I was actually friends with at that time, at this time. And we had a kind of a falling off, but he's like, have you tried podcasting? I'm like, no, I haven't tried podcasting. Next thing you know it, I get an anchor account. Next thing you know it, I, in 2019, I wind up spitting out over a hundred episodes and I've been, I got bit by the podcasting bug and I haven't stopped ever since, which is why I have close to like 600 episodes now. And we're in season two of the audio podcast and I'm just having a good time just getting to know different people, do, learning about sponsorships, learning about different avenues to go on. And it's just amazing how far this can actually go because Charlie and I never thought that we would actually get a Netflix publicist, for example, or for ex another example is being part of the Holly shorts short film festival that I was just recently a part of, which I never thought that that would actually be a thing either. So it's just one of those things of pitch me, pinch me now. I can't believe I'm here and doing what I love doing and feeling passionate about what I'm doing. But being a podcaster and what got me into podcasting, I like having conversations with people. That's my favorite thing is interacting with other people, other film fans, talking about films, even at work. I have a nurse that comes up to me and goes, well, what do you think about this movie here? What do you think about that? We're doing our top five list of our favorite Western movies. What movie should I add? What movie shouldn't I add to it? 
and things like that. And they look at the themes of different things. And once I wind up telling them, well, you should move this here, this here, that should go out. They realize sometimes too, that maybe they need to reorganize some of the ways that they're actually going about ranking certain things. And I love that. I love having conversations. I like interacting with people. This is also why I have Charlie on. He was actually a fan of mine from the movie page and everything from a while back. And I brought him into being an admin. And then from being an admin, he was a po- now he's a podcaster with me. And having him on has just been great with doing episodes together, doing the movie trailer reactions together and things like that. And also, too, I never thought that I would actually be in the Schmodown stuff either because at first i'm like i don't really want to be part of the schmodown thing i want to do my own thing and not have to go ahead and reference everything towards the schmodown just so happens to be frenchie is part of the schmodown stuff and now i'm actually part of that world now too and i actually love it i love being a part of it and i appreciate the support and love that i get from uh schmoes of the north and also mount schmodown but uh i'll let you go on ahead and answer both both of those uh questions all right, so when Tamika's question about favorite director, it's a tie for me between Christopher Nolan and uh, Quentin Tarantino. Like, it just, Quentin Tarantino's, like, his mind, his, his, he's got a fascination for violence, and it's, like, the violence, it's, 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 it's entertaining. Does that make me desensitized? No, because I don't want to do any of that stuff in real life, but it's just entertaining to see what, like, just to see that, especially with, the, his last bunch of movies, Glorious Bastards, was a fantastic movie. Django, great movie, and then um, Once by Tom in Hollywood, because like you're everybody knew so if you're going to Quentin Tarantino, you know there's going to be like some ridiculous violence and also some time, um, some time or and I like that. I mean, Christopher Nolan for me is just he's just that director that's very, that makes very entertaining movies and he cares about cinema, like the 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 big the Dark Knight. Like the Batman trilogy, he did it was phenomenal. Like he definitely changed the game when it comes to superhero movies. And then it was when he did that, it goes into this one question about what is my favorite movie of all time. It's easily it's Inception for me. Like Inception, I know um, Sean and I worked at a like Sean at like our our co our co-host Sean. Him and I worked at a movie theater like for. I mean, he worked there longer than I did, or a little bit, or I started when he was already like in there. In 2010 was my second summer there at the theater, and, and that was when Christopher Nolan's Inception was coming out. It was a Leonardo DiCaprio, like kind of a spy, sci-fi spy-ish kind of movie in a sense. Um, I was so hyped for that movie, and then when we watched it, it was like it was an like we got to see uh, it was an employee sneak. It was Sean, myself, my dad, Sean's brother, and his girlfriend at the time, who's now his wife, uh, uh, Shane, Shane's wife. We were all it was like just a, it was like the, the five or six of us in the theater watching inception and immediately afterwards we were like we were asking like this the, we were talking about the ending was it a dream was it reality i it's a it's easily reality and i've done many many and this movie is a passion for me because i've done many presentations on it for college to uh presentations on it like yeah presentations shown this in college talking about this movie inception was like it, it is for me is one of my all-time favorites because it's Great cast, an absolutely insane cast. Great visuals. It's an intense movie. Like it's like it's a it's about it's a little over two. It's two hours and twenty eight minutes, almost two and a half. Yet it doesn't feel like it drags. It keeps you sucked in. You're wondering, are they going to get out of this? And that and that's the whole point. And then this is the first introduction to Tom Hardy for me. 
because it's Tom Hardy was in this and the sequence in the snow where he's down there, that's James Bond-esque. And that's why I figure he, he, he'd be one of the good people that for like, if, if they did James Bond earlier on, sure. He'd be perfect for it. But I think he's kind of old now. And I don't, I, I think they need to go young, but yeah, that, that sequence in the snow was very cool. I mean, visually it was, it was, it was an all time stunning movie. So, I mean, I just, anytime inception's on, I'm watching it. Cause it's just, it's, it was just such a great movie. And yeah, that would be one of my, and my top five. Another one of my top five was, of course, I mean, just recently, once by time in Hollywood. I mean, because I have to. Um, and I think I have The Matrix in there, too. Like, I, I can't figure out top five, maybe The Dark Knight. Like, I can't pinpoint a top five because I've seen so many great movies that I might be able to put in there. But maybe we decide to be a podcaster. I just like talking about movies. Honestly, I just, I just like talking about movies and to be able to voice my opinion on stuff. And about movies and stuff, and that's just it's just it's just something fun. Um, that's why. And then, um, and I think passionate films like Inception, anything by Nolan, most of Tarantino's work. There's a couple Tarantino movies I don't, I don't really care for. Um, but yeah, I think I answered that one. Okay. Um, but no, I have to agree with you though about Inception and stuff like that too, because it's one of those imaginations where it's basically a dream within a dream. You don't know what's the difference between reality and what's fiction and stuff like that. And I, that's something that I really enjoy where movies actually question, makes you question things and things like that. And if you're able to question things and use your imagination, that is something that I really love. Um, let's see here. I, Okay, so I answered this a little bit already with my favorite movie is, but I'll go on ahead and say The Godfather is also another one that ranks up there as my other favorite films, of course. Um, Godfather 1 and Godfather 2. Godfather 3? No, thank you. Um, but, I, and uh, yeah, God, the, the Godfather 1 and 2 is definitely my favorite. I know I'm kind of cheating a little bit whenever I come down to that. What's your favorite place to eat tacos? Well, Okay, Taco, I'll go on ahead and answer that question. That is going to be La Chula's over in Bay St. Louis in Mississippi, where my fiance and I actually eat at and stuff like that. That's actually one of my favorite ones. Of course, you know, you also have Taco Kill, which is Taco Bell. So Taco Bell is also one of my other ones. Of course, I also like their craving box. So, of course, because I'm fat and I like tacos. So, <laughs> um, let's see, John, do you think DC make, may make a comeback in theaters as before Marvel is on top now? Here's the thing. At one time, I would say that they, here's the thing. When it comes down to DC, they need to stop trying to catch up with Marvel and just try and make good films. That's all they need to do is try to make a good film and stop trying to be like Marvel. Make the best movie that you can possible. And if it's a good movie, we're going to go out there and support it. Perfect example is the Suicide Squad that they just dropped and everything, even though they didn't do well at the box office or whatever. And it was dropped on the same day as streaming. That movie was still good. Charlie and I raved about that movie because it was just that good of a film. Yes, it had that uh, James Gunn cheesiness of it, of a Guardians of the Galaxy, but it was a total different tone of cheesiness than what we're used to with Guardians of the Galaxy. This is more of your R-rated, in-your-face kind of thing like Slither. And that is something that I really liked. Now, here's the thing. DC had a chance to catch up with Marvel in a sense because of the fact after all the phases were done, they had to rebuild their building blocks and everything. So DC had a chance to go ahead and 
while Marvel's rebuilding their building blocks, trying to figure out what they're going to do, this is all before Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. This is before WandaVision. This is before everything else. All their faces are done. Everyone's like, well, what are they going to do next? What's the next big Marvel project that they're going to do? Well, guess what? They, di they didn't do anything. DC kept on doing this whole entire back and forth game of being reactionary. They didn't know what direction they want to go in. They got rid of Zack Snyder with different, with their with his project, and also too Zack Snyder was also working on his zombie film. And then there was also return, uh, of course, also to rebuilding the Snyderverse and everything as well, restoring the Snyderverse. And we actually got a good uh, movie out of that with the Justice League. But I feel like if DC wasn't reactionary, if they knew what they were trying to do, just make a good, simple movie versus trying to catch up with Marvel, they would be okay. But that's just my opinion on that. But right now, Marvel, I don't know if I can say Marvel's on top right now because I haven't seen Shang-Chi yet. I haven't seen Venom yet. I haven't seen uh, Spider-Man Far From Home or anything like that to actually say that they're back on top or anything like that. So for me to say that they're back on top or anything like that, Marvel's still on top, it's hard to say. But as far as their TV shows go, they're knocking it out of the park for me, for their TV shows. But what about you, though, Charlie, whenever it comes down to that? I mean, during that phase when Marvel's still, like, I mean, DC's got some decent ones. Aquaman, never thought I would say that. Aquaman was fantastic, and they're working yep. on I think they're just about to finish the sequel. Aquaman was great. Shazam was good. Mm -hmm. Everything else, Wonder Woman sucks. Like, I mean. I like Wonder Woman, though. I like the very first one, but, you know. Wonder Woman was terrible. Both of them were bad. Like, the second one was just garbage. Like, it was slightly better. It was like, to quote Brad Pitt, going back to Moneyball, 50 feet of crap, then there's us. Underneath both the 50 feet of crap is Wonder Woman 2, and then Wonder Woman 1's, like, right there. Like, they're right there. And then we're getting, like, so many different Batman movies. Like, enough already. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much going out and saying, the new Robert Pattinson movie's gonna suck. I'm gonna, it's gonna suck. It looks trash. looks bad. It just, it definitely looks, doesn't look great at all. Um, there'll probably be like since this weekend's um, like nice little tie in there to make it because this weekend's DC fandom. If anybody doesn't know what DC fandom is, it they did it last year, it's kind of like their own version of Comic Con, but more DC stuff. That's where they announced like some pretty epic video games of Gotham Knights, which is set in the same realm as the uh, the Arkham of the Arkham series, which are fantastic games, and then uh, the Suicide Squad kills Justice League, where you're getting Harley Quinn, Deadshot, King Shark and Captain Boomerang the game, and it's only for next-gen. So we'll probably get more information with that. Um, but yeah, the Suicide Squad, not the 2016 version, which is, we don't want to talk about that, because that, that's bad. The one that just came out, which is believed is coming out um, on Blu-ray and DVD on the October 26th. So anybody who hasn't seen it on HBO Max or didn't get to see in theaters, you can own it. And I definitely recommend owning it, because it was fantastic. And because of that, we're getting a spinoff on Peacemaker with John Cena, which is supposed to have a trailer this weekend. And and it like at this here in the description of the show, like he's got a car with a golden eagle on it, and he's and he goes in a restaurant wearing the outfit, and he's he's wearing the wearing the outfit or eating pancakes. Like this is, I mean, John Cena was fantastic in the Suicide Squad. It was just hilarious. It's a great of that. So they got that. I don't know what much DC else's DC's got. I mean, Aquaman 2, I'm, I'm pumped for that. Me too. Shazam, absolutely. I'm psyched for the new sequel, which I think just finished filming not too long ago. But uh, that's coming. And Black Adam. 
we, we also Black have the Adam. Black- we'll probably get some footage from that this weekend on the 16th. Like, there's some good properties, and then yet they decide to do Wonder Woman 3. And I'm not hyped on it. I don't think Patty Jenkins is that creative a director to do that because, like, it's a superhero movie. You're supposed to let them f- they're supposed to fight people that's the whole point they're supposed to fight like fight super beings that are just like them not deal with dramas if you want to watch that go watch the eternals that's what, that, that's what the eternals is going to look like like that, that's the problem with marvel i think the eternals is going to look like a melodrama i will say shun's same uh, sun she and the legend of the ten rings a lot better than i expected and i was ple- i was like shocked i was like wow this is actually really good the the trailers don't let on how good the movie is like the action sequences are phenomenally shot we got a really good villain um and tony loon plays a really good villain like in this movie it, it, it's an entertaining movie and it it kind of sets up how we're going to be go- moving forward with this and but yeah sun chi was a surprise like i didn't expect it to be good Boy, was I wrong. That was good. Am I gonna? Is that gonna change my mind for Eternals? Maybe, but problem is there's just too many people in it, and I'm like, and one guy looks like Homelander. Like seriously, I've I've got we need we only have one Homelander. That's on the boys. We don't need many more. Like like a, a, a douche that shoots laser out of his eyes. We don't need any more of that. We got plenty of that in the boys, and that's what that's literally what the Eternals looks like. Um, I hope so. Um, I don't count on it, and I just found out that they're at risk for not being able to get released in China, and that's the problem for Eternals for that huge cast, and I'm pretty sure it's a huge budget. Not being released in China is not... That's not that's not keen. I mean, like, Sun Chi's done really well, and, and that, that one, Black Widow, for whatever whatever it happened, did really, did decently well at the box office, despite Disney being dicks and releasing it on, their, on the... On their app, you have to pay additional thirty dollars. I saw Black Widow in theaters. I loved it. It was entertaining. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Marvel and I know no 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 way um, Spider Man no uh, uh, no, no way, way home. home. I think that one's gonna be great because it's gonna it sets up something. The Eternals. Hmm. I don't know what the heck's going on in it. Like, do you think I I, I I probably won't be spending money for it to be honest but i'm gonna go see it because of the fact that it has a lot to do with the time and stuff like that with loki and stuff like that it has the time continuing stuff things like that with time travel so that's what i'm doing that's why i'm interested in is the time travel stuff um but you know that's just me but we're gonna talk about wonder woman later on and <laughs> things like um, that <laughs> when yeah. uh but, to answer the oh sorry, I was going to answer the Tamika's next question about the is streaming the new movie theater experience now. Will people come back to theaters as before? Um, I don't think streaming is the new movie theater experience. I think it was this this one time. Um, I mean, if we, like these last few weeks, Sun Chi's done like over Labor Day weekend, blew past expectations. People went at the theater to see that. Um, Venom made a ton of money opening weekend, like. Um, sure, but, Bond didn't do so great as what they were expecting in the stateside. Like I think it made about like over the opening of the weekend, not including the the holiday Monday, made about fifty six million in the states, which is still pretty good. Um, but overseas is where it's killing it. Mm-hmm. It's already up to three hundred million um, internationally. So people are, like may not be in the states, but it's like they're doing overall. It really just depends on the movie. I mean, it's got to be. I think Spider Man Far From Home. If the studios do it right, not pull the same shit Disney did, 
by making it like same day streaming and in theaters. Like, I think, I mean, I know that's why it's going to hurt some of the Warner Brother movies. These next are like Dune, I think is going to hurt Dune when they do, release it on streaming and in, and in theaters. That, that that's kind of a problem. Like, I'm really hoping more people go to the theater to see the new Matrix movie. I know I will. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try to see that in theaters because that's that's the meant it's meant to be seen in that. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I think it's just this time period. I think once we progress like into next year and all that stuff, I think people will start going back to the theaters once it's more safer. I don't think it's the new movie theater experience because sure, Netflix is gonna get these big movies, but nothing really can take away from the cinema experience and it shows with Venom making 90 million opening weekend or something close to it. Like people still go, I think it's rude. It depends on the movie itself. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this one. And then Brandy also had a question for me though, too, as for a job reviewing movies professionally, would that be a dream, your dream job? But going, just piggybacking off of what you said though, here's the thing. Shang-Chi was not released on the same day as streaming or anything like that. It got changed over because of the fact that um, they didn't want to go down the same rabbit hole that Black Widow went through with being sued for being on there for streaming and for, of course, uh, being at the movie theater. And then, of course, James Bond is also not streaming. Then you also have Venom not streaming. So, therefore, you have three films that are not streaming. So, therefore, you have no choice but to go to the theater to go and see those films. So that's one of the th- three things that the, one of the things that it had going for itself is the fact that it didn't have streaming that people had no choice, but to go to the theater to see it. So they was like, well, okay, I want to go see Venom. I want to go see James Bond. I want to go see this movie. But the point is you have those movies out there and they are not available on streaming. So therefore they have to go out there and see it. But my point is this, I think that, you know, I think streaming is still gonna is still new. It's still something fresh. There's some kinks that they have to work out on, as far as what they want, what they need to do if they want to go on ahead and release certain movies that's on streaming service and stuff like that, or keep it in theaters. But I think once they release those uh, kinks and work on those kinks, I want to say that maybe that we're gonna see more stuff being streamed at home than at the theaters depending on the contracts that they, that they draw up and things like that. And it's also a new time now. And I had to say it, I, I really want that. The, here's the thing. I really want the theaters to, I, I want that to be the source of where I'm going to. I want to go to the theaters to see a movie. I don't want to sit at home and watch it on my 40 inch flat screen TV because I don't get the same experience that I do in theaters, no matter what you have for a sound bar or anything like that. I want to go out there with fans and celebrate a movie because of the fact that's the one place that everybody can get along. You can forget about race. You can forget about uh, religion. You can forget about all that other stuff. And everybody's just in there at one time celebrating a movie together and being fanboys over a certain film that they saw and things like that. So, you know, I want to see more films in theaters. It's just that I think that streaming is going to be the new platform on what they do. And I hate to say it like that, but if you look at the evidence of the fact that, number one, you release movies that are streamed the same days as the movies, and then you have three other films that came out that wasn't even on stream. People had no choice but to go to the theater and stuff to go see those films. That that tells me that, yeah, I know that they had no choice but to go, but I promise you this. If that movie was available on streaming, they would still stay at home because of the fact they had 
because of the fact that they're able to watch it from the comfortable seats of their house versus going to a theater and they have no choice because they were obligated to go see a movie in theaters versus seeing it on stream. But that's just my opinion on it. But still, yeah. I disagree. I think it's only <laughs> we're in the pandemic, so we can't really judge anything just based off this. Sure, I think I think in its case by case basis, if, like if actors want to like Chris Hemsworth, he's done stuff in theater stuff and stuff on Netflix. But it's like I mean, the problem with the Netflix thing is you don't determine how much money a movie makes. Like I mean, and then like yeah, they have more budgets on there, but it doesn't necessarily mean a better movie. I think it's just. I think well, I'm talking about like the big blockbuster films is basically what I'm talking about. Like Fast and the Furious wasn't released on streaming. That was a theater. I think it depends on the movie. It's got to be. I mean, I still think like if no, uh, no Time to Die was on like was available streaming. I think more people would go into the theater to see it mainly because it's it a blockbuster. It, it's a it's a it's the experience. Like watching it from home. Like there's I I wanted to see Suicide Squad in theaters. I just I watched it on. HBMX because we were doing a review for it, but I would have seen that in the theaters if we weren't in a pandemic time. Blackwood, I saw that in the theaters. Jungle Cruise, saw that in the theaters. Free Guy is not meant... You had to see this in the theater to fully... like Or be able to fully experience this, the, how great this movie was. Like, I think it's like some... like It's like it's the, it's the experience. I don't think it's... The, I think it's only because it's it's this... like Warner Brothers is not as doing that is pulling away from the, the same day stuff. They're going right back to exclusively in theaters. Probably, I think they're making packs like the 45 day, kind of what Paramount's doing, how you have like 30 to 45 days in theaters and then it'll be released on streaming. So I think they're making deals to release it on streaming, but first it's got to go into the theaters. Like you have to, if you want to wait the 30 to 45 days, that's fine. Like Warner brothers after starting in 2022, nothing released on Warner brothers is going, is going straight to theaters. And then, then I'll go to that. So I think t- it was only this pandemic period where they're doing the streaming. Netflix this is going to be Netflix, but it's like, it's like from now on, these movies are going to be like you have to see these in the theater. So I don't think streaming is the new movie theater experience. Because sure, there's movies I wish there were net on net that were from Netflix that I wish there were in the theaters. Extraction, I would have loved to see that in the theaters with Chris Hemsworth. Six Underground, would have loved to see that in the theaters. I know I would have paid money for that because i i enjoyed that movie um and then there's like and then like there's other ones that i was happy they're on streaming because they're garbage like outside the wire like the 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 anthony mackie netflix movie that was absolute dog shit i was glad i didn't pay money for that tom and jerry so glad i didn't pay money for that because that was dumpster fire same goes to space jam a new legacy I can't believe people went to the theater to see that and paid money. They should have just stayed home on Netflix, like watched it on HBO Max and saved yourself some money because that movie shouldn't have not have, like should not have made more money than the Suicide Squad. Like two different quality movies. One was just a complete farce. The other was entertainment. Like I don't. I I say I really disagree. I don't think the streaming is that because Christopher Nolan is working with another distribution company because he didn't want his movie to be released on streaming because it defeats the purpose of what they're making. I think a lot of them, you like, like, like you have to see these in the theaters. Cause that's, that's the type of film. So I, I really don't think streaming is the new. Movie. I think it's just because it's the pandemic and starting next year, once more movies are coming out, like just, just exclusively, cause there's the huge backlash Warner brothers got when they decided to release all their whole slate on HBO max. Hence what, what happened with black widow and about Scar- the Scarlett Johansson suing because what, what Disney 
violated her contract because they released it on streaming and people paid thirty dollars for it. You should, I mean, if, if you're gonna pay thirty dollars, release it to the on physical media and let people buy it, not have them get a Disney Plus subscription and then buy it. Like, no, I, I, I really disagree. Streaming is the new experience now. Like, it's that once we get once starts getting clear up and once we get to back some sense of normal. Like I, if I have my choice, theater on that, I was that depend on the movie. But mainly, I don't, I don't think theaters are going away, not anytime soon. All right. So let's see here. Another thing I want to mention is this. Brandy writes, "If you could have a job reviewing movies professionally, what would you, would that be, a dream job be?" To be honest with you, I've always wanted to work for maybe like JoeBlow.com or work for Arrow in the Head or Collider, but you know, I wouldn't, I'm still leaning more towards JoeBlow.com just for the simple fact I'm friends with Jimmy to the O, which is James Osner, um, stuff like that. I know their company is very good at legit, legitimately posting movie news that's actually truthful, even though it, there might be some speculation pieces, but they actually post it as speculation pieces and they are actually respectful towards the fans and stuff like that. If there was a company I would work for, it would be JoeBlow.com. Or KevinSoon.net is also another good one, though, too. But JoeBlow.com, to me, I think they give their writers, uh, give them their freedom to write whatever they feel versus tell, uh, versus actually giving you big words and trying to summarize it in big words. And they're just average movie viewers like everybody else. And to me, that's what I love about average movie reviewers and stuff like that. We give honest opinions. And we stick to those honest opinions and everything, regardless of the fact that maybe somebody might not like something or whatever. But still, I would have to say JoeBlow.com. What about you, though? I mean, getting, um, getting paid us to do movie reviews? Heck yeah, I would do it. I mean, it's what I'm passionate about. I love talking <laughs> about movies. I'm a movie fanatic. Like, I mean, you see my my background right there. That's an actual background. That's how many 4K movies I've been buying like lately or that. So I'm like... Yeah, I have to, to be able to do that and get paid for it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would do it. <laughs> Me too. Um, so let's see here. Crichton Films. Hey, Crichton. Do you think uh, the change of seasons changed the overall mood for a movie watching? What is y'all's favorite season, seasonal movies and why? So here's the thing. For Halloween, it's always going to be horror movies. It's always going to be... Even if it's like a comedy mixed in with the horror aspect of it, just to get me in the mood for Halloween, I'll still watch the heck out of that. Because Halloween is probably one of my favorite holidays aside from Christmas. Christmas is also another one of my favorite holidays. But for me to watch something during Christmas time, I have to watch either number one, National Lampoon's Vacation, or I would have to watch Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. But what about you, though, Charlie? Um, yeah, I do think it the change of seasons does change your own mood for mm -hmm. movies. Like, if you know in the summer, you know you're gonna get blockbusters. Like, you right. and you get the, maybe the occasional movie which you're like, oh, okay, why is that one in there? Like, I mean that 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 that's when you know like the, the big ones. Well, anyway, like you can get like those big juggernauts coming out. I think it really depends on trying to get to the the right market. And like when you got like like I know like January February for the longest time used to be Liam Neeson month because Liam Neeson will always have his movies out there because. He, that that was his audience at that time because nothing was that coming out of that time period or the, usually during that time of month so that's usually what you're gonna get um and then i think and they've been sprinkling some blockbusters here and there like 
the Kingsman, the secret service that came out in February. And that was a huge, like, that was a juggernaut. Like for, it did really well at the box office. And the first one was a fantastic movie. So I think, I think it really does change. Like, you know, like, like John said, Halloween, you're going to get horror movies, which is a month I usually try to avoid. Cause I don't do <laughs> horror movies at all. I don't like Halloween. I mean, I like Halloween as that where everybody get the costumes and that kind of stuff. But I don't watch horror movies. I'm not like the, that. That's usually type of month like that. I'm like, when there's something else that's out there, usually I try to watch that or whatever. And then November, December, you get some of the, you get some blockbusters, but you also get the, it's a time period for the Oscar movies. So, you know, what's coming out for the Oscars. So I think, yeah, I definitely agree that um, the change of seasons, change the overall mood for it depends on what you want to watch. If you're in Oscar movies, November, December, there, there's also November, December has some big juggernauts too. Like, pre-pandemic we were supposed to get mission impossible seven coming out this november and then that got delayed um and then so everything gets that's been being pushed in the back burner but um i would say mine's probably the summer because that's when you get a lot of the good big quality movies and that, that's the whole point is to be able to see these big blockbusters in the theaters not not at home um, so I definitely have to go to the summer because you get a lot of great stuff coming out of the summer and it's stuff you can potentially get on, uh, before Christmas. So you can be able to buy it before, before you put it on, <laughs> before you, before you have to gift it to somebody for Christmas. <laughs> I also like, here's the thing. I like seasonal stuff though, too, whenever it becomes like Oscar season, because that's a chance to review some Oscar films. Also too, it opens the eyes for other people who might not have even thought about checking out a certain movie at all. Cause I like to introducing people to new films and also to Halloween as well. Horror movies are a great thing to actually have same thing with Christmas time and things like that. Um, hello. This is where Brandy Mullen says Halloween is her favorite uh, is her favorite, and I'll admit Hocus Pocus is one of my favorites. That's actually one of my favorite movies to watch during Halloween as well. It also has that Halloween kind of flavor to it, and there is a second one coming out as well. I think they're, I think they're filming it now. Let me look yeah. that up. Go ahead and research that real quick, but yeah. here's the thing. It's a cult classic because it didn't make that much money at the box office, and I remember doing a re- talking about this a long time ago, way before I was doing podcasting. One of my friends saw like a fan-made poster. I know the difference between a fan-made poster and a legitimately comes from the studios kind of poster. Like, is this true? I said, no, it's not true. Because if you look at the budget, if you look at how much the movie actually made, and then you take a third of that away because of PR marketing, you take whatever the movie theaters make, that's how much the film actually makes. And by the time that it actually made that certain money and everything, the movie didn't make enough money to say, hey, look, you know what? We want to invest in more uh, more of Hocus Pocus, so therefore I'm not going to go ahead and invest in this movie because it didn't make that much money. But now with Disney Plus, on the other hand, they're, I'm, I'm going to have to say this, with Disney Plus, they're actually doing stuff that I never thought that they would actually do. Turner and Hooch TV series. I wouldn't, I, even though I'm not interested in that property, never in my million years that I would actually think that they would actually make a Turner and Hooch kind of TV show. Then, nonetheless... Right, it's more like a sequel. And then, of course, you know, you also have the new Home Alone movie that they're dropping. And then, of course, which I don't really care about. And then the new Hocus Pocus, which I'm intrigued about if they do it the right way. And at first, they're like, oh, we're not going to have Bette Midler in there. We're not going to have the characters that you knew and loved from the kid standpoint or anything like that. And I'm like, okay. At first, it's kind of a letdown. But if you think about it, though, back in those times and those time periods... 
there's different witch covens that they can actually cover besides the, the sisters that we had from the original Hocus Pocus movie. So if they go on ahead and, you know, if they did go down that route of not giving us the same characters or whatever they have, it gives us a chance to explore other covens aside from that other the coven that we had, which is something that I really was excited about seeing in a sense. But at the same time, it'd be cool to see the, see the sisters interact with other covens in the present time of a 2021 kind of world that we live in and have that kind of interaction. But Charlie, I know you did some yeah. research just now. So um yeah, they're filming it now and it's the three the three people are about Bette Mill, right. Mitt, yes, uh that I think it's a bunch of uh I think the story I read was the three sisters um accidentally awaken the Sanders sisters. So I think they gotta stop them. So I think it's kind of like I think it's. We're, I think we're gonna get the might be the same same story a little bit. I don't know that it's uh, it's gonna be exclusively on Disney Plus, um, sometime next year, twenty twenty two. Okay, that's something that I'm actually interested in. Uh, to be honest with you, um, because it, it's been a long time since people have been wanting this movie. It has a cult falling. It's a cult classic. I'm all I'm game for another Hocus Pocus movie. To be honest with you, uh, so Tamika writes. John and Charlie, if you could write and produce your own film, what it would it be? So I'm going to go on ahead. I'll answer that one real quick, and then I'll let you have the floor for it. Uh, for me, it would be The Kidnapping of Sinatra. And here's why. I was listening to the, a podcast called Kidnapping Sinatra. And basically, Frank Sinatra, Frank Sinatra Jr. actually gets kidnapped. And it's actually during the JFK assassination whenever he gets kidnapped from these other people. As a matter of fact, the guy who kidnaps him supposedly hears a voice in his head or a voice coming through the speakers saying that God told him to kidnap Frank Sinatra Jr. And also, too, he was also in depth into his eyeballs. So he kidnaps Frank Sinatra Jr. thinking that Frank Sinatra Sr. would be okay with it and to pay a ransom for it. And, and the way the podcast actually presents itself, because it's actually um, – John Stamos is actually the person who does the podcast, who's actually the host of that podcast and does a fantastic job of that. I could see Quinn Tarantino making that kind of film because of the layout of the sound effects, the way that John Stamos narrates it and things like that. And I would actually, it would be cool is if they, if Tarantino does this and a matter of fact, I know that said if I could write or produce my own film, but if I could write that, I would actually go on ahead write this film and then sell it over to Quentin Tarantino because of the fact that I think Quentin Tarantino could actually do a dynamite job with this uh, film and also to get this, uh, the sound, uh, the soundtrack, right. And everything else, I think it would be perfect. Also too, you can have John Stamos doing the narration of the kidnapping of Frank Sinatra jr. And stuff like that, given the full details of that mixed in with the real guy who, uh, who kidnapped him. So I think that's just my take on it. What about you though, Charlie? Just think of it now, I would try to do a better version of Max Payne. Because I don't think that when that movie was like, I mean, Mark Wahlberg was good in it, and I've lot uh Mila Kunis was great as Mona Sachs. I think they tried too much with it, and then and that's that was the problem. Like I I mean personally, if I could write it on the person I would ha absolutely have direct Max Payne, it's gotta be the 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 iconic slow mode like uh, motion guy, and that's John Wu. You gotta have, like, I gotta have, like, cause, I mean, cause you know there's gonna be, it's gonna be R rated. You, there will be doves, because of course, cause you need, you need a John Woo movie, and you, and it's John Woo. 
who I would be in it. I don't know. Like, I mean, if Chayun Fat was still like still young, I absolutely I would have like him kind of like him do his take. Like Chayun Fat would be in it, but uh, because John Woo as uh, uh, probably that would be another one of my favorite directors, John Woo, because he's made some tremendous action movies, but not many people have seen them. Like, like, um, like he's made two big movies internationally, and this is what made Chai and Fat Star was hard boiled, fantastic action movie, and has the best action sequence I've ever seen. Like an eight minute one one continuous take or shot action shootout in a hospital. Like it's one continuous shot. And it's and then like when I mentioned Tony Loom, who plays the villain in the uh, Sang Chi and the Legends Henrys, that's where he started out at in in Hard Boy with Chai and Fat and the two of them together. Like it's probably one of the best action sequences I've seen, and that was a great one. The John Woo's The Killer, another great one because it has those iconic dual pistol slow motion jumps, that kind of stuff. And I think or that's what Max Payne is: slow motion, bullet time, like like dual pistols or whatever. I think John Lee would have, like, I mean, I would, it, he'd be the best guy to do Max Payne. And if I could write it, that'd be great. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like if you haven't seen it hard boiled, I think it's very, it's not on any streaming service. So you're going to have to find it. Hard boiled is probably the best act international act. Well, this best action movie, like of all time, it is legit has so many great action sequences. Again, the eight minute one continuous shot. See, I think it's an eight minute to get that. The action sequences is longer than that, but it's a one eight minute take of them going through the corridors of the hospital. And it's a shootout, but it's only one shot, no cuts. All right. Uh, let's see here. We actually have Brandy. Would you consider reviewing more kids' movies like Spy Kids or A Wrinkle in Time? Here's the thing. I love reviewing kids' movies and stuff like that to give more gears towards ki- people that have kids. It just depends on the movie itself and if it fits into the theme of what we're trying to do. And it's all about timing. It's all about finding the right timing to do it because there's just so much stuff that we need to get down to for, uh, whenever we look at our schedule on the things that we want to do if it happens to actually fall on something to where we're not that busy or whatever, we'll definitely do it. I would love to cover Labyrinth, which is actually one of my other favorite uh, classic uh, cult classic films. So that'll be another thing that I would like to cover. Um, the most recent one I want to say that I did was the secret of Nim, which was a couple of um, months back, which was the most recent kids movie, but also too is very dark for a kid's film. At that time, because you're going through uh, depression, you're going through cancer, you're going through all that other stuff with um, with uh, Secret and M, which is actually streaming on Amazon Prime, I think now. But you can also watch it also on YouTube as well. But yes, if it falls into the category of us reviewing a certain film, we'll definitely do it. But what about you, Charlie? I mean, are you interested in reviewing more kids movies? Definitely Spy Kids. Yeah, I mean, Spy I mean, Kids was fun. That one's fun because it's funny. Because Danny Trejo plays the same character that he does in the spinoff movie Machete. That is, he plays Uncle Machete in okay. the Spy Kid movies. Even when he and he even had uh, Carmen and Junie show up in the Machete movies, 
Junie plate showed up in that. He, goes, he has the one line. He's like, yo, I may be adopted, Holmes. And then and he's like, yeah, no shit. Like, it's just the, the funny line. And then he, yeah, that, and then because he's in it. Like, and then, and then the sequel, um, Carmen's in it. And then she's one of the uh, ones that worked with Sophia Vergara's like prostitute reign or whatever they're doing in that. In the set. And I don't remember the machete kills that much. It was just absolutely ridiculous but that that's what kind of started because and then the the, the common feet the thread here is robert rodriguez robert rodriguez directed spy kids he directed machete so it's it's just the commonality between it so yeah I mean, there's a lot of elements too and it's got like a lot of a great cast in it and um the first three though i don't we're not doing that fourth one, even though it's like the that one was like what the heck happened? yeah that one was crapola i'm not gonna like, lie that movie i mean I mean, the third movie got Stallone. Like, I mean, it's like a Spy Kids 3D, Stallone was in that. And then, but it's just like, definitely Spy Kids. That one for me, because I that one, like, I, I'm interested in how that holds up. But I remember watching Spy Kids. I think I, I saw, I believe I saw all of them in the in the theaters, and they're they're entertaining movies. And then, but just the common theme that Danny Trejo plays Machete, Uncle Machete, and it not so violent way but he's machete in the spy kid movies and then he plays machete later on in the more mature movies which i will have to review those but those are those are mindless fun action flicks but the scene that see the kids grow up show up and they're like yo it may be adopted yeah no shit <laughs> but yeah that yeah. those the gag kid movie yes a wrinkle in time. I don't know much of it. I know yeah. this, the, 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 this, the one that the one that just came out to not too long a couple of years ago. I heard wasn't that great and then look entertaining. I, I don't watched know. It. Yeah, it's it's not one of those movies that. I mean, it would be one of those ones that if I drink, I would get drunk and watch it. Yeah, that's that's probably about um, some but, other ones would be the three ninja movies. I, grew I up love the three ninjas. I grew up with the three ninja films. I, I, I love the three do, the doofuses in it. The, the the three guys, like the first one, like it's like um like the surfer the surfer dude is like, hey, like you might want to open up the cash register or or, or else it's gonna get nasty. And they're and they're like, there's like, say, I don't know, man. I dropped out a couple of years later. Like I just that the three dudes in the first one was right. so funny. That one, and then. Surf Ninjas is another class. Oh my god, Surf Ninjas is actually one of my other favorite ones, dude. Like, I mean, like, th those are the kid movies, those are PG movies, but there's a lot of adult elements in it. Yeah, but the three ninja movies, like that, the first like, three, so, yeah, yeah, the first three spy kids, three ninjas, uh, the, the first that, not the Hulk Hogan one, that the fourth, whatever no. that one was, that, that was, was straight to DVD and, and stuff like that. That's um, and then and then definitely Surf Ninjas, that. like Surf Ninjas, like those. Those are some good kid movies. We'll probably review because they're that. But the three dudes in the three ninjas, like, oh my god, they're the they're the best. You better the total the before it gets nasty. Um, and it's like, I don't know, I dropped out. I forgot what time school ends. <laughs> it's like, and my other fun thing is they're looking at a magazine, dude. That looks sick, man. That looks very sick. That would be surfboard. ripped. It's just a surfboard. Because. <laughs> We need to put some wax on that man. That looks I mean, really yeah, good. And, it's just, and they're and eating then... nachos. They're eating eating nachos in a gas station. It's just like, <laughs> like I mean, it's just like there's three the, the guys. It's like seeing, um, and then like the, and again the bathroom sequence. And then when they when they put some like super lax, 
or whatever. When the, and the kids are like, you say, hey, give me that drink. No, it's mine. And they're stealing the drink and they're all going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, because oh, they put instant diarrhea. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because they put excellent and then like it's funny and then it gets and then that one it had a lot of dark tones to it and then especially like the final fight where somebody gets shot and it's like it's it's a pg movie but there's a lot of adult elements but and then the one that when they go to tokyo that's a pretty good one too yeah that's like, the second one that's my that's another one that had like the one. airheads no that's the second one the, the second th one is the indian reservation one about the uh no, the second one is them going to china i remember that one that's in uh Three ninjas kick back. Three ninjas knuckle up is the other one. That you're yeah, knuckle up. I believe knuckle up is the second one because in the third one. Research the, that yeah. real quick so that way I'm not yeah. wrong on that. Because I'm pretty sure, because I remember going as a kid in a theater and seeing the second movie and it was um, Three Ninjas Kick Back, which had them in the in China. And to me, the part with the ninjas had the cell phones, like the old cell phones. Because what are you going to do? Call us to death? Yeah. And then um, there's, oh, sorry, yeah. Ned. But yeah, that was a fun movie. Surf Ninjas, Rob Schneider's in that film. You also have, of course, uh, you have uh, what's the rapper back in the '90s that was on there? The black dude that was in the, on the boat and everything too, because he was a rapper. He Tone Lock, Tone Lock mm -hmm. was on there who sings uh, uh, "Funky." Uh, I forgot the I forgot the name of the song, but anyways, okay. but Rob Schneider in the film goes. Okay, you guys just go in hand and surf and everything. I'm just gonna put some wax on my surfboard. You say that yeah. every time that we go out there, <laughs> and, and then, then by the time they're chives. done, you guys yeah. want, some, want some chives? And then and then Le I think Leslie Nielsen was the was the villain in that. I know Kelly Hugh, like who's mm -hmm. very like a, a martial artist at her time. She's I, she's in a, been a ton of stuff like villain roles. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, the uh, the 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 year they were released, um, ninety two was the first one. That and then Knuckle Up was 1993. So it was Knuckle Up. Knuckle Up. That was the one with the uh, when they're trying to protect the uh, what the yeah. uh, I think the Native American's daughter. And then okay. like and there was a lot of politics involved with that. It was a bunch of like that one. Um, yeah. No, I think Hulk Hogan was the fourth one. And then the third one, which came out in '94, okay. was the one where um where they go to they go to Tokyo to stuff. Um, yeah, I think Knuckle yeah, Up was one. Yeah. Knuckle okay. up with the uh, the baseball like when when they beat up the them in a bar and then they, it was a lot of it dealt with the Native American reservation or whatever and it was um they're trying to protect the daughter but it was like so the guy can testify can testify or whatever to give evidence or something. Okay, because here's the thing: I got that mixed up. I do yeah. apologize because I always thought that Knuckle Up was the third one. Mm -hmm. And not the second one. I, I'm I apologize for that. The kids uh, look a lot older in the third one, though. That's how I was able to pick it up on that. Okay. Because because um, Rocky, the, the he's he's like the the oldest one. I think Rocky's the uh, he's definitely a lot older and taller, and I think um, than than he was in the second one. Because I think they kept the same two same three actors for the first two movies, and then they changed the actor for Rocky in the. Uh, I thought he looked different. Okay. Yeah, I think it was a different actor because yeah. Um. So, but yeah, Brandy, we'll we are definitely interested in doing more kids movies. As you see, we're talking about Three Ninjas, which is uh, and also too, I didn't even know that was one of your favorite movies is Three Ninjas either, from back in your childhood. And also too, Surf Ninjas is also another one because I can never forget uh, Sega Genesis at that time with uh, Game Gear. Sega Game mm -hmm. Gear at that time was very popular. Back in the 90s. And also, too, the crazy thing. Let me tell you a little bit of fun thing real quick before I jump into this next one, mm -hmm. before we finish off. But 
I remember going as a kid to see three ninjas, or not three ninjas, but surf ninjas. And there was a double feature being on there, right? So me and a friend of mine were going to go on ahead and see the double feature. But can you guess what that double feature was? Because at that time you had the um, Fugitive that came out, but there was another movie that came out at that time. It was actually uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Oh. And that was funny because a kid's movie... And then you have a horror movie that's actually a double feature. <laughs> so, um, so John, you were partially right. Um, I think it, like with with the with the ninjas. Um, so, um, Three Ninjas. It, it is a sequel to the film Three Ninjas. Despite being released as the second installment of the franchise, Kickback is chronically chronologically the third installment of the Three Ninjas series. Originally, the other sequel, Knuckle Up, was shot back to back with the first film and with the original cast, but due to distribution issues, it was released in 1995. So, it was a lot of technicality with this, which was weird. Um, So, I mean, it was was released third, then it was second. I I don't know. I just just know everybody looks different. (laughs) Right. Um, So, Brandy asked, what is the one person that influenced you to get into podcasting? So, here's the thing. In 2013, I was watching a lot of AMC Movie Talk. And at that time, John Campia was doing AMC Movie Talk. And AMC Movie Talk, because at that time, too, it was like, don't forget, we had some crappy websites during that time, especially when you look at moviepilot.com, which is also the same thing as, like, we got got this covered. But, you know, I was like, you know what? I want some legitimate um, movie news. I want more of that kind of content so i went on youtube searching for that and it was just youtube at the time there was no podcasting involved or anything like that but i knew what i wanted to build so what i did first was i build the movie page and then after the movie page came along i said you know what i want to build a youtube channel once i saw i had enough uh people that were following the youtube the movie page and everything i decided you know what i'm going to design me a youtube channel and so that's how that happened. But John Campy is actually the one that got me into doing YouTube, doing podcasting and things like that. Um, and also at that time, though, too, they were actually doing their shows in a uh, in a closet, in a janitor's closet. And it was actually at that time called For Your Consideration. And it had Crystalline Kennedy and it also had another member of that that I'm actually friends with still. And also Dennis Zen, which I'm also friends with on Facebook as well. I'm also friends with John Campion on Facebook that I follow all the time. But those were the those were the guys I went to. Also, John Schnepp was also another one. Then, of course, AMC folded and everything. And they went over to Complex. Complex is actually owned by Collider. And then it became Collider Movie Talk. But from 2013 to 2015 is basically whenever I started realizing that I wanted to get into more YouTube stuff and things like that. But one of the guys that I mentioned before who happens to be one, who happened to be one of my friends was like, how about podcasting? I went into pod, doing the podcast thing for about a year or whatever, came back into doing this. That's who influenced me into doing podcasting. But as far as who I'm passionate about and who I follow, John Campia is also one of them. James Osner from JoeBlog.com. There's also... Um, John uh, the Schmo, uh, Schmo's a, a movie trivia Schmodown. There's also the uh, I'm trying to think of what they were called at that time though. It's uh, the Schmo's No Movie Show. That was it. The Schmo's No People were the ones that I actually watched movie reviews for. Jeremy Johns was also another one that I follow and everything too. 
So those are the guys that I feel like that are fans of the films, gives fair, fair criticisms, and knows what they're talking about. But what about you, though? Uh, was there any type of influence on you or anything like that? Not really. Just like mainly just the reviewer that got me interested in doing these, like doing like like to start doing podcasts because of the pandemic. But it was a uh, Fox like Fox Five reviewer Kevin McCarthy. He's the one like he's like I like on my way into work usually in the mornings. I'd listen to the one hundred six seven the fan the sports junkies, and they would have the Fox reviewer Kevin McCarthy on there, and he'd review movies and and the, him being able to do that kind of got me interested in doing this and. Um, and then I've been trying to reach, trying to reach out to him to see if there's any advice he would have to maybe potentially be a, a movie critic and stuff. And yeah, nobody, he hasn't really gone back because again, he's super busy, travels all the time. But being able to do what he's done and to review movies and stuff, that just sounded like a great idea. Uh, so let's see, what one movie can you make feel like a kid again? Uh, for me, I would have to say. The original OG Mortal Kombat, no doubt about it, 1995, I believe it was, that it came out. My friends and I going to see the movie for the, for the very first time, wondering what we're going to witness and stuff like that. Looking back on it now, was well, not a, probably a wise choice. My parents probably wanted to murder us by the time that the movie was finished. But we had a very good time of watching it. But that makes me feel like a kid again. Ghostbusters is also another one that makes me feel like a kid again as well. Um but for you, Charlie, what's what's one of those films that just stand out for you? I don't know. I've seen I saw so many as a kid, but it just nothing that like okay. nothing that makes you would really feel like a kid again. Like maybe the original Matrix or the or the nineteen ninety nine Mummy with Brendan mm-hmm. Fraser. Um, but or Swordfish. I don't know. Again, I watched. I was that was the first. Dang, that's like mature content level. I know right there. that was the first already movie I watched <laughs> with my parents with Swordfish. Was fine to sat there. I mean. It's a great movie, by the way. We got to do a review for that soon. Right. But it's a, if anybody hasn't seen Swordfish, um, stop what you're doing and watch it because mm. it, it. I mean, it's a phenomenal movie. But I don't know. I just I don't I don't really remember. Like I mean, the first movie I saw like first the in theater was Bug's Life. But again, I don't I don't remember something that would make me like. I know I've seen a lot of ki- like, like animated stuff while I, as an adult. Like I mean, I think the first one that I watched was in 2010. That I'm actually a kid movie I enjoyed was the Despicable Me. Like Sean hates that movie. And sorry Sean, I'm gonna call you out on that. Despicable Me was great because not only did it, it was it meant for kids, there's a lot of adult s- stuff in it, like Vector doing pelvic thrusts. Like, I mean that's just hysterical. But um but yeah, I mean it's it is for me it's just like that I mean that was the first few kid movies I watched. And then again, I, I, I never mind probably Shrek. Shrek or Shrek 2. Cause that one, I was I wasn't really a kid at the time. It came out in two thousand and one, but I was almost ten. But definitely Shrek or Shrek two, one of those two, because those are kid movies. But there's so much adult humor in it, like, and it's just, I mean, it, they're there's they're just great movies. You're muted, John. One more thing, though. I would have to also go with a classic 1989 Batman with uh, Jack Nicholson. And that was my first movie that I ever saw in theaters. I was a kid. I was a fan of the old reruns of 
of that whole entire thing, and then the nostalgia factor of ha- seeing my favorite super, my favorite hero on screen for the very first time playing by Mike Michael Keaton, and I didn't even know the controversy that was surrounding it or anything like that with him playing Mr. Mom and things like that. All I knew was I want to see Batman kick some ass and take some names, and that's all I cared about. Michael Keaton is still by Batman, but I like Ben Affleck as well. But you know, that's just me. Uh, so let's go on ahead. I have one more question, and then we're gonna call it a wrap for the rest of the night. Um, so basically this is an Instagram question and this comes from building a life 101 Uh, he has several questions, but I'm just going to go on ahead and do one since we are running out of time and we might actually save this one for later. Um, uh, so, and I have another you know, question I just saw on Twitter, not to, about 29 minutes ago. Okay. Going ahead. Co- you cover the Twitter one. I'll cover the Instagram one. Okay. And then we'll, then we'll cut it from there. Okay. You, right. you do your question first. I can do the Twitter one next. Okay. So what was the hardest movie for you to get into? But now that you see it, it's brilliance. You can't get enough. So it's not about me getting enough of this film or anything like that because I don't plan on revisiting it. But the movie that, for me, that I just reviewed with Alex from A-Town Reviews was a movie called They Live, which is a John Carpenter movie. And that movie, at first, I'm like, eh, this is too campy. This is too much of the campiness and stuff like that. I just didn't care about it. And then, uh, and also too, I was also tired at that time. So I went on ahead, rested a little bit, came back to it. And I wound up loving it. I wound up loving the whole entire aspect of the fact that we are probably, the media puts a blindfold over our eyes, pulling things over our eyes and stuff like that. It was more of a political statement for John Carpenter during that year, during the Ronald Reagan era as well. So that was also something else that he was playing around with at that time. But for me, it's They Live. What about you? Um, this was like, I mean, there's a few, like definitely one I, I saw once. I don't, might go back to me not as I Mad Max Fury Road. Like I was not a, like a big fan of that at all. And I don't, I don't know if I'll go back to that one because it just, it was just boring and slow. Um, but and then yeah. another one, like another one I would say, like, I, again, if the the movie isn't great. Anytime it's on, I usually turn to it. It's a uh, point break with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. Like the first time watching it, I didn't really care for it, but I, Tend to keep watching it because I just like the I like Keanu and I like pa- the ba- the chemistry between Patrick Swayze and Keanu. Like the movie's not great, you know. I'm not a huge Catherine Bigelow fan at all, but just the memorable lines. I'm like, I got like um, like Keanu has so many great like or Utah, get me two or um, are you out your are you are you out of your fucking mind? I am an F. FBI agent like this the Keanuism and then you appreciate that movie more because the remake is outer garbage like that this like the, the sequel might have been better because Gerard Butler was supposed to play Bodie in it and he dropped out and he did something else at the time but the Edgar Ramirez and Luke Bracey this they didn't do it. They didn't, they turned like, and there weren't surfers. They were just like the general, general junkies. And it definitely like, it was a PG 13. It was bad. It was just, it was garbage. I mean, like the, the remake, the original was so much better, but then again, the original, it wasn't that great a movie, but you just watched it. Cause you appreciate Patrick Swayze and Keanu. And that was a very young Keanu Reeves. And he still looks, he still looks really young to this day, but I mean, I just watch it just to see what scene we're on. But I mean, I think it's, it's but this you did you just watch it for Keanu. That I mean, it, it, it's there's not much. There's some action sequences in it, but it's not much. 
Um, you get more action in the trailer, but again, you just watch it for Keanu and Patrick Swayze. All right. So where? Uh, so with that last question that we have on Twitter, where okay, does that it come was from? from um my buddy Tim Baumgartner. Um, he wrote on there. Um, I think the question was like, why not remake bad movies to make them better? Leave the good ones alone. Okay, here's the thing though with that. What defines a bad movie from a good movie? Because everybody has their own taste on what a good movie and a bad movie actually is, because all movies are, of course, subjective. So are we talking about box office bombs? Are we talking about what makes a bad movie a bad movie or what makes a good movie a good movie? Um, But to me, if you're going to remake something, you need to do Battlefield Earth with John Travolta. It's bad enough where I have to witness somebody going WTF in a movie theater screaming out real loud of what I just watched. Oh, to me, I that- misread, sorry, I misread the question. It was, uh, um, I think, and then Tim added on. So, anyways, by Sean, um, Noel, he writes, What's one of your favorite movies growing up that you would want to be remade? Personally, Sean says, I would love a Gremlins remake. Mm. And then Tim writes, hashtag leave Gremlins alone. And he goes, why not remake bad movies to make them better? Leave the good ones alone. Um, so that was the question. Um, okay. And then and then that was just Tim's backup question. But yeah, that's like all within that. What is the one movie favorite that you want to be remade? Um, and, and then we can answer that second one afterwards. Okay, so I'm going to let you go first while I plunder that. I don't know. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know I don't, either, to be honest yeah. with you, because here's the thing. There's certain movies that should be remade and certain movies that shouldn't be remade. Especially movies that I hold dear to me, but also, too, even if they remake it, I still have it on my DVD shelf. It's not like it's Marty McFly mm-hmm. from Back to the Future where all of a sudden it just erases, oh my god, there's a new, there's a remake. No, I still have the, the original one in this preteen condition on my shelf. It's not going to disappear. It's not going to move anywhere. But do I want them to remake something? Probably not. But, you know, I think that if I could choose which one to remake that I really like, I would have to, I'm going to go with the crow, but also hyphen it a little bit because if you read the graphic novel, it starts off differently than what in the comic book differently than what the movie actually starts out with. And if they actually build up towards something like that, I'm all for that, but still I'm just not that interested in rebooting something with uh, the crow or something like that. But what I like to, when I see it, yeah, I would go on and see that. Um, but yeah, but also too, Back to the Future is also another one that shouldn't be remade. That's also another thing too. Um, so what about anything? What's about, what about the last question though? Um, I don't know about my favorite movie growing up. I've seen a lot of stuff. Like definitely don't want them, like leave the Matrix alone. We've, I mean, geez, you already fucked up Terminator. Like, geez, like you already screwed that up. Like maybe if they do daredevil like i mean that's not growing up i mean it, it, it like it was entertaining that if they read if they did daredevil in movie format better absolutely i would love that i mean with the current only of charlie cox only of charlie cox is attached to it that's the invented the offerero is uh kingpin um like i mean don't get me wrong clark uh, michael clark duncan was great as kingpin like i mean like the late him i thought he was good in it I think it's just the execution was just bad. I heard the the unrated version is so much better, but mm-hmm. but then again, if he didn't get Daredevil, we wouldn't have getting that great Evanescence song, "Bring Me to Like Bring Me to Life." Like, I mean that 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 was just I, I mean that's such a great song. I mean they've even used it in WWE promos, like I mean or WWF at the time. Um, I don't know. Um, I agree. I think 
like I mean I don't know what bad movie would need to be remade. Like I've seen bad movies, but bad for the sake of being bad because they're hilarious. Like don't touch the room. The room is fine as is. It is one of the greatest bad movie, best bad, so bad it's great movies of all time. And it's cool because my alma mater at Salisbury University is having a class called Bad Cinema. And I was like, why was this not an offering when I was there? I would have loved to take this course because I've seen so many bad movies. But The Room, The Room is one of that. So, I mean, I don't know. It's That's a tough question, but I agree. Leave the crow alone. Like, you keep that movie's in developmental hell for years. Mm-hmm. Leave it alone. Like, let Brandon Lee just, just rest. Be at rest. Like, yeah. yeah, don't don't remake it with different people in it. Like, come on. It's like it's annoying. Like, leave that alone. Well, they've already done Total Recall. Um, like definitely leave Cobra alone. Like, absolutely don't touch Cobra. Cobra is great as is. Like, it's a great action horror flick. Um, so leave Cobra alone. I I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a tough question. Like, I don't know what bad movies i've seen in my childhood like i definitely don't want them re- maybe three ninjas but i don't know see how you can do that um you'll probably make it like 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 i don't know you'll probably ruin it or something like i don't know like it's very touchy stuff about remaking stuff for the sake of remaking it because i mean they try to do space speed racer i haven't seen it but i heard it wasn't that great yeah um, wachowski's did that one yeah that was like, another bomb that they did like, I don't know. That, 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 that's a tough question. All right. So that's going to do it for our episode of Ask Us Anything. I do appreciate everyone inside the live chats on Instagram and also too on Twitter as well. Uh, we thank you so much for participating in this. This is something that we might actually d- revisit again and do again. Did you have fun doing this one? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, yeah. if, we, if we get different questions, absolutely. I don't want to yeah. answer the same questions again. <laughs> right, exactly. So, guys, here's another thing. Tomorrow night, 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific Time, I'm going to have the cast from A History That Haunts Us, which is also an independent film that Crichton Hobbs actually just got done wrapping up. And I'm going to have his two actors, well, his actor and his actress on the show tomorrow talking about their experience working with uh, with Crichton and also experience with uh, working on that film. So go on and check that out tomorrow night. Thursday night, I'll have Beth from Made for TV podcast. And we're going to be doing a review on The Fog because this is actually part of our Scream on Screen uh, series, which is basically just reviewing horror movies throughout uh, October. So go on and check that out. And then, of course, on Friday, we have some other stuff going on here at Movie Lovers Unite, so go on ahead, stay tuned for that. But if you guys want to, go on ahead, donate to the page. Uh, you do that, you just go on ahead, go to gofundme.com forward slash Movie Lovers Podcast. But also, too, we teamed up with two Blur Girls Podcasts uh, and Cincy. And all the proceeds go over to St. Jude's uh, Children's Hospital if you buy a, uh, if you go on ahead and buy yourself a Cincy. So go on ahead, get yourself a Cincy. Five to $10 goes towards the cause of children with cancer. So go on ahead and do that. Of course, we want to go on ahead and donate to us at Movie Lovers Unite and everything, too, with GoFundMe.com forward slash Movie Lovers Podcast. And you can find those links in the link below in the descriptions. And then, of course, you guys can go on ahead and head over to uh, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook, of course, Instagram, and Pinterest as well. And then, of course, you guys can also follow me on TikTok at Movie Lovers Unit 001. And, of course, also, too, on uh 
on Twitter as well at Movie Lovers Unite over there. If you're a sponsor or would like to be on the show, just go ahead email me at movieloversunite at gmail.com. And then, of course, go on ahead, download the uh, Good Pods app. Good Pods is a great place for social media for podcasters or if you're into listening po- to podcasts and stuff like that that's actually another great place that you guys can go in and follow us up give us a rating also tell us what you think about each episode as well it also keeps us in line on what we should do what we shouldn't do their easy play button is just fantastic it's a smooth app i definitely recommend it and that's everywhere that you guys need to know and don't forget tomorrow night eight o'clock central time nine o'clock eastern six o'clock pacific time i'll have Triton hobbs's uh, the lead actor and the lead actress to his independent film, A History That Haunts Us Tomorrow Night. And of course, on October 15th is when Chris, uh, Crichton Hobb will go, Hobbs and them will be at this Halloween festival taking place in Alabama. So go on ahead, like and subscribe. Don't forget to hit that smash that like button, that subscribe button. Also, too, hit that little bell in the bottom bottom right hand corner to let you know that we have something new coming out. Also, too, we just I just dropped a trailer reaction video for Scream. So go on ahead and check that out too. So that way we can go on ahead and get some views for that. Tell me what you think about the new screen movie and stuff like that. Always until next time, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. Thank you, Charlie, for being a part of this. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you, Brandy, um, Brandy Shank. Thank you, of course, to Tamika from Two Blur Girls Podcast for participating in this. And thank you to everyone that's on Twitter and Instagram as well. Always until next time, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. I can't wait to do this again. And bye-bye.